Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is July 3rd, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day, and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. You're listening to episode number 397. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week are Mr. Bob Ryer. Look up in the sky. Is it a bird? It'd be Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so much better. Sarah Miles is also here. Hi. Hey. All right, people out there in Radio Land, listen up. We have a jam-packed show for you this week. Uh, we also are going to... Actually, we're not going to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. That's going to be next week because the movie actually comes out tonight as we're recording this. So, of course, nobody's seen it yet. But guaranteed, next week's show, we will talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Go and see it. I have it on good authority that it is quite good and serves as a very, very nice end cap for the Phase 3 MCU post-Infinity Saga stuff. And uh, very excited to hear whatever Marvel has to announce when uh, when they hit San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know what they have in store, but hopefully it's a look at the new slate of upcoming films. I don't know. No, it's a new Ooh. season of Inhumans. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> hey, we're doing this again. Lockjaw's going to be even bigger this time. <laughs> Medusa oh will have even better hair. I was at San Diego Comic-Con when they were doing all the, the hype and all the promotion for that stuff. And boy, oh boy, the mood around that show was grim. <laughs> and and I think it, it was reflected in the uh, the viewership for that, that dumpster fire that they released. I still can't believe they even <laughs> released. That show was bad. We watched the the pilot episode. I don't know if it got any better, but woof. I couldn't. I wish that's all it was was woof. It was locked you up for an hour. I'd be happy. I got through an hour and about ten minutes of the second episode and had to stop. Oh, it was terrible. Ugh. It was terrible. All the all the emotional beats were so hollow. They did the whole thing with <laughs> Medusa getting her hair cut, and it was supposed to be this like big traumatic thing that maybe was a representation of other things and other things that could yes. happen to people. And it just felt dirty as opposed, <laughs> as opposed to like thought provoking or chilling or any of those other things. Not to mention that Medusa would have wiped the floor with all of them. Oh yeah. That too. All of it. Huge, yeah. huge, oh. huge whiff. Huge whiff. You're really, you're really making me sad that I've never bothered to sit down and watch Inhumans. Oh, now. you should oh, watch it. Watch I'm, it with I'm a regretting nice that life choice. It's watch up it there. with a bottle of wine with you. It's yeah, a it's up there with thing. that uh, that Wonder Woman pilot and that uh, yes. shitty Josh with Frank the shiny Fantastic pants. Four yes. movie. God, that Boys, movie. I saw some, I saw some more of that FF Frank movie. It was on FX. So I was waiting for the ball game to come out of rain delay. Holy mackerel! 
Reed, help me, Reed. Oh, shut up. Just oh, go. I, oh, man, we, we went through so much champagne, Bronwyn and I, as we watched <laughs> that movie. Uh, terrible, through and through. I you can't change my mind. Fight me. I don't care. Uh, okay, listen. <laughs> okay, let's go. Another reminder for stuff that is coming up. This is episode uh, number 397, which means that we are getting ever closer to our 400th episode on Ice Spectacular. And woo! I want to just remind you all, if you've got questions, you can tweet them at Talking Comics or podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com for the email we would love to have your questions. We want to get a bunch of questions. We have questions we're going to be asking each other. We have some games that we're going to play. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, but it would be a lot more fun if you all get involved. So if you've sent questions before, huzzah, send some more. Um, and if you're somebody who's thought about sending a question but was nervous about it, it's all right. Send it. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? <laughs> we'll, we'll ask it on the air. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, we really we, we were going to do a bunch of different things, and uh, we just decided in the end that perhaps the 400th podcast should be about us. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you folks out there. Exactly. And you, our lovely listeners, and uh, who knows? Even the non-lovely listeners. We don't care. Yeah. All of you. <laughs> I, might, uh, I might tease a little something later that we might release in addition to the 400th podcast that week uh more on that when we hit our lightning rounds and speaking of lightning rounds it is time to get to the lightning rounds we'll record as much of this as we can before mara decides to knock on our door and uh bob i would love it if you would go first (laughs) okay say when all right five minutes on the clock for you and go Ms. Marvel number four by Saldan Ahmed and Minkyu Young, colors by the ever-present Ian Herring, was the first issue of Mr. Ahmed's run that sounded like G. Willow Wilson, as the story was told from Kamala's perspective. That said, or rather, as Kamala says in a caption, telling your own story is harder than you think, though. I've been trying to tell it for years now, and some days it feels impossible not to let other voices drown mine out. I'm still not loving this run. Don't get me wrong, but there's one moment here that put me off, and that kind of did that. But this was a definite step upwards, and I'm a little more hopeful. Now, a series that has always operated at a high level, but nevertheless raised their game, and that was Marvel Rising Number 4 by Neela Magruder, Roberta Salvar, Georges Duarte, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Morgan Le Fay's Invasion of New York takes a new turn, as she creates a monster from the Hudson River's water and gunk and garbage. And that, that creature, called Jesse, for New Jersey's Nessie, takes on the heroes. Nice battle sequence, great humor, but what sets this apart was the characterizations. Here, Kamala has taken a page from Doreen's book and attempts an old-school Squirrel Girl move to try and talk Morgan out of continuing her attack. Beautifully and sensitively done, as we're also allowed to see a very different side of the sorceress Lafay after all these many years. Quickly, for fear of spoiling the charming Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur 44 by Brandon Montclair, Aletha E. Martinez, and Tamara Bonvillon, Lunella's re- rejiggered the Cree Omniwave projector, and that re-energizing, reimagining. she's gone back in time to, as she puts it, stop the bad stuff before it ever happens. Now, 
since the first person she encountered is her own now useful grandma, we're headed for a paradox. And I promise not to go into a whole Marx Brothers Wyaduck paradox routine. Over in Fantastic Four number 11 by Dan Slott and a quartet of artists, it's a lovely done-in-one where in the midst of a microverse incursion into our plane, Franklin and Valeria are cited by the DEMV, the Department of Extra Normal Motor Vehicles, as being unlicensed drivers of the FF's many extraordinary machines. Tons of fun as the Richard siblings navigate their way through their written and driving test, particularly as Gargantua is still trying to upsize her lower dimension. While we're at it, there's a check-in with <laughs> Dr. Doom, who has some deviltry afoot, involving another old Fantastic Four foe. Ooh. Yeah. Finally, Wonder Woman 73 by guest creators Steve Orlando, Aaron Lepresti, and Matt Ryan, with regular and outstanding colorist Romulo Fajardo Jr., was a simply stunning flashback issue that ties, ties in directly to where G. Will Wilson's story is headed. It's also a reminder of how amazingly perfect Steve Orlando is at writing Wonder Woman. In our last issue, Diana Atlantiades and Maggie emerge from a battle into an odd-looking world that Diana reveals here is Dimension She, C-H-I, which was created by Hippolyta as a negative mirror where she could see, well, the ramifications of her many decisions. Diana relates a tale of her own younger days where she and her mother were taken prisoner by that realm's Empress Hippolyta, who has rejected motherhood and taken up the spear. Fabulous callbacks to Wonder Woman's long history, including an Amazonian challenge featuring bullets and bracelets, not to mention an appearance by Queen Atomia from Joy Murchison's story in Wonder Woman number 21 in 1947, as well as that character appearing in Trina Robbins' Legend of Wonder Woman from 8586. Most importantly, Mr. Orlando shows us the strength of the philosophies of the true Amazons, and that they're present in even a teenaged Princess Diana. It's also a great final page reveal, and one line, one line that had me tearing up, and if it plays out as written moving forward, I'll be beside myself. This was an absolutely superb, superb issue, and it's on the list. Whoa! Yeah. That's a 180 from the last time you talked about Wonder Woman. Bold. Yes. Bold. 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 <laughs> Okay. That's it. I is done. That's exciting. I have qu I have observations and questions about Fantastic Four number eleven. Okay. All right. If I may, this is not mm. news, but holy crap, is Doctor Doom a drama queen? He's always <laughs> been that. He's always been that. Oh um, yeah, but the the way that he like sails down. Uh oh. Oh, then my time's up. Yeah, the way that he sails down in this issue. And he like he's taking off his cowl, and he's like, "I'm gonna expose my, I'm gonna show you what I look like underneath." And then you got the Latverians, who, sire, there's no need to leave your mask on, not on such a hot day. We, we've all seen. There's no need to keep your face hidden. We all adore and admire you, regardless of how you. Um, what? What is, uh, why are they so loyal to him? Isn't he like this crazy, like, tyrant, dictator, science, black magic man? Sort of like America? 
Whoa. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Whoa. Whoa. Hold no, on I'm, now. I'm, it's I'm almost sorry. the 4th of July. Yeah. That talk. No, no. The thing of it is, for Latveria, for the most part in the long reign of Victor Von Doom, they've never been challenged. They've never been invaded, really, except by the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. They've managed to be well-fed, and they have health care and all sorts of things. They don't have a whole lot of freedom, and you can't speak out against Dr. Doom, where you end up in who knows the negative zone or something. But he is their hero. Remember, there are there are statues to Vlad the Impaler in Romania. Do you think Latveria has Wi-Fi? No, they have Doom-Fi. Nice. I'm sure it would sort of be the way uh, totalitarian countries are. It's all very well controlled. Wikipedia isn't in China, for instance. Doom rising. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Okay, so... What do you think of the the kids learning to drive? That was fun. That was fun. I had had a little bit more fun with this issue than I have uh, in the past. Like I said, I've been enjoying this run. I just, I've been over the moon with the ones that have come before it, and I really, really enjoyed the start of Slot's run, and then it kind of got a little, well, nah, the Galactus stuff was cool, too. I don't know. Yeah. There's something There's something about it that I I, I walk away from it, and I, I almost forget what's going on. Like, every time that we talk about this book, I have to open it up again and remind myself of what went down, and that was never the case with Fantastic Four. The story's always stuck with me, and ever since we've left those first three issues, the newer stuff is not is not resonating with me as much uh, as the beginning of this run. Um, but there are, there are definitely highlights to it too, like all the wedding stuff, the uh, the, the the driving the DMV equivalent or whatever. Mm. It was it was fun. It was kooky. Uh, two more things: one, Franklin's hair is definitely black, and I have gotten confirmation from other people about this that the digital version his hair looks very black and the other observation that i have is that gargantua very very much reminds me of like the marvel equivalent just in in looks uh of like their version of granny goodness yeah yeah i'm sure that's on purpose yeah she's totally she's got that whole whole thing rocking she's holding uh, a mother box well, uh, what's her face uh, from Pee Wee Herman's Large Marge is her stylist or something yeah. like that. Uh, but fun. It was a, it was a, it was a fun issue for, for sure. Well, next uh, issue is the honeymoon mm. of Ben and Alicia and the Hulk crashes in and we get our first look at Jeremy Whitley's Future Foundation. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm very excited for that as well. And I'm happy to hear that Ms. Marvel had some uh, some highlights to it as well. I know that uh, we've collectively been a little shaky on that since uh, since it came in. Yeah, it's, it was an uptick. We'll see. We'll All see. Right. Good stuff. All right. Sarah. Hi. Are you ready to bring the thunder? All right. You've got five minutes on the clock. Go. 
Okay, so this week I caught up on The Avant-Garde's, which continues to be an adorable slice of life book in the vein of Backstagers, Lumberjanes, or maybe even Giant Days. Um, The book focuses on the newly formed basketball team of an arts college and follows the players and the coach through life, looking at sport, school and relationships through the eyes of various team members. The latest issues sees the team defending their winning streak against various other specialist schools, which leads to a variety of comedic puns that i won't ruin but i will advise you to read the banners at the med school um i'm not gonna lie the world can be a pretty crappy mean and nasty place at the moment and for me avant-garde is the kind of ray of sunshine book that just cuts through all the gloom and i need more books like this in my life i love these fun sweet happy little books mm-hmm. Having said about a fun, sweet, happy little book, I'm now going to talk about Murder Falcon. Murder Falcon. Um, Murder Falcon has all the elements of a light-hearted comedy jaunt. It's got magical guitars. It's got kaiju-esque fights. It's got a giant anthropomorphized bird with metal wings. And yet, despite all that, this book got me, as the kids would say, right in the feels. Um, I'm not going to spoil it because the reveals each have their own emotional gut punch. And I would love for everyone else to get the same emotional depth from this story that I did. But it would be no word of a lie to say that I cried multiple times reading Mm -hmm. Murder Falcon. Mm-hmm. The art is at times frenetic and there's often so much going on that I had to reread panels or even pages multiple times to get the full measure of them. But equally, the quiet moments were just that. They were the silence between the last note dying and the roar of the crowd when that little bit of reality of what you've just experienced sinks in just for that moment before actual reality kicks in again. Um, Of course, this version of reality features giant hell beasts, but I will let you find that out for yourself. Go and read Murder Falcon. You will not regret it. It is outstanding. Um, And on the subject of outstanding books, anyone who has been paying attention to Steve these last few months, (laughs) which is, of course, everyone, because he costs us all money. Thanks, Steve. um, (laughs) We'll have heard him mention Middle West. Now, our Steve steers a good ship, and he knows quality comics when he sees them. And let me assure you, (laughs) yeah, this is another absolute belter. The story of Middle West is touching, troubling, and heartwarming as we follow a young boy and his faithful-ish talking fox companion as they travel across Midwestern America in search of answers to some pretty tough questions. Um, The art is crazy. There are huge amounts of detail packed into every panel and the colours are stunning. This is another book that has layers to it. And when you look at it initially, it looks like the story of a boy running away to join the circus. But there is so much more to it. And as I was reading it, I was shouting at actual pages going, no, don't do that. No, don't. Oh, you did that. Why? Mm -hmm. Um, I really found myself empathizing with a lot of the characters. It's got a very surrealist beat to some of it. Um, And obviously last time when we were talking, I did mention that I quite like a big healthy dose of surrealism in my um, life. And this has got that. You'll just be reading and you go, sorry, is he is he talking to the fox? The fox talks back. Nobody thinks that's strange. Okay, she built a robot. Okay, okay, that's fine. Um, 
cannot recommend Middle West enough. Was reading it, had the horrible realization that I can't finish reading it because there's still more to come. Then had the amazing realization that, yay, there's still more to come. Um, absolutely loving Middle West, loving Scotty Young. He, everything that I've read of his, everything that I've seen of his artwork, I've absolutely loved. I think he's an absolutely cracking writer. Bully Wars was brilliant as well. Um, and he is definitely turning into one of the creators who, if I see his name on a book, I'm going to put my money down on the counter and pick it up. Oh yeah. So that's me. All right. Hey, I, uh, I, I must say, I, I like that your lightning round was tailored to my, uh, my tastes, Sarah. <laughs> this is a very, Steve got two lightning rounds this week. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. What can I say? Super quick. Uh, I also love avant-garde. I have not read the latest issue. It is usually though, um, any other week it, when it comes out is the, is the first book that I read in my pile because like you were saying, it puts such a smile on my face. It's such a progressive title. It's doing wonderful things without um, making it more than what it needs to be. Characters just are who they are. And I think that that's lovely murder Falcon. I've talked about murder Falcon. We will talk more about murder Falcon. That book is epic in so many ways it is just, like you said, Sarah, layers. There are layers to that. There are layers to Middle West as well. We've gotten some... I'll talk about another book that does this as well when I, when I do my lightning round, but we've got a lot of series this year that are just doing tremendous things in terms of setting up their worlds and making you curious about the world beyond the initial story that you're getting. Like there's yes. so much life and there's so much busyness happening all around like your central story that I mm. wonder about, you know, I, I want spinoffs featuring other characters from these stories. And it's just really incredible to see. I mean, we, we go through this every year, but this year in particular, some of these sneer series, sneeries, really, really snuck up on me in terms of just how wild and expansive and vast they are and the, the worlds that they inhabit middle west is a great example of that murder falcon you could totally do more with murder falcon if you really wanted to i think it stands on its own as a as an eight issue miniseries maxi series whatever you want to call it but you could totally you could do a prequel to murder falcon real easy and yep. and i don't know what the emotional hook of that would be but I'd read it. I would read it in a hot minute. So I don't know I, what that... I want to know more about the orchestra. I'm not going to say any more than that. Yeah. But if you've read it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know more. Yeah, I, I, don't know what, uh, I don't know what their creative team... They did Extremity, which I have yet to finish. Uh, I was reading that a while ago. And then once they started pumping out Murder Falcon, and that just spoke to me so much, I stuck with that. But I do want to go back to Extremity. I don't know if they're doing a third title together. I hope so. I would, I would expect so. So, uh, I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> it is time for me to do my lightning round. I am going to put five minutes on the clock and go. I want to talk to you about Skyward. I read issues numbers one through 14 this past mm -hmm. week, written by Joe Henderson with art by Lee Garbe. 
One day, gravity on Earth suddenly became a fraction of what it is now. 20 years later, humanity has adapted to its new low-gravity reality. And to Willa Fowler, a woman born just after G-Day, it's, well, it's pretty awesome, actually. You could fly through the air. I mean, sure, you can also die if you jump too high. So, you know, you just don't jump too high. And maybe you don't get mixed up in your dad's secret plan to bring gravity back that could likely get you killed. Just some food for thought. Okay. So before I launch into a whole thing, we have an announcement to make. The reason why this portion of my lightning round won't be much longer is because both Joe and Lee are scheduled to join us on the podcast in the near future. Uh, So you'll have to pardon me if I save some of my energy. And FYI, Joe is also the co-executive producer of Lucifer, which I've been talking about for the past couple weeks. So... If you have Lucifer so, uh, questions, I have a I have a, I have a Skyward question. You know I have a Skyward question. I know you have a Skyward question, but hold on to that. <laughs> I am okay. That said, I took the Skyward journey all over again this past week, and hot damn! If I didn't have a great time, this book has an incredible way of pacing itself, revealing new elements of the story and different sides of the characters all throughout the run. The action is also very intense, as the rules of gravity are quite particular. After G Day. And the slightest misstep could send you careening into the sun or worse. And yes, I said worse. worse. Wait, because wait, 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 wait. believe worse. it or not, I would rather be thrown into the sun than be food for, yeah, you'll see. Uh, I've been a major fan Ooh. of Skyward from the very first issue. And I can't wait to see how it all ends when Skyward number 15 floats onto comic book shelves on July 24th. Put that in your previews and smoke it. All right. My other book for this week is Coda. Written by... There you go. Thank you. Written by Simon Sparrier with art by Matthias Bergara. In the aftermath of an apocalypse which wiped out nearly all magic from a once wondrous fantasy world, an antisocial former bard named Hum seeks a way to save the soul of his wife with nothing but a foul-tempered mutant unicorn and his wits to protect him. But in the process, he is unwillingly drawn into a brutal power struggle, which will decide forever who rules the weird wasteland. As Sarah Miles of the Ladies of Valhalla and Talking Comics Podcasts once said, Coda is a crackin' good time. (laughs) It's a wigged-out world-builder of a book that's just as bloody as it is clever and oh-so-colorful. The entire cast consists of characters that feel alive, even if they're just lambs being led toward a magnificent slaughter. It's got foul-mouthed nightmare nags, double-crossing jesters, and swords that slice, dice, Julien, and cut to the heart of a fantasy that feels epic both in its world and character building. It's also got some of the most insane artwork I've seen in a hot minute. For me, uh, Bergera has something of a Ralph Steadman vibe about him. If you're not familiar with Steadman, he worked with Hunter S. Thompson and did many uh, illustrations for Rolling Stone. Uh, 
If Stedman were hunched over a tablet with a head full of acid, that is what you would have with Coda. (laughs) The book was also full of surprises in that you're constantly meeting new characters or being fed enough lore to make you wonder about the world of Coda beyond its initial story, harken back to what I was talking about before. For example, I'd love to see a Notch spinoff, one of my favorite characters from the story so far. I've only read issues one through six. There are eight. I know. I have two left. I couldn't fit it in in time. I'm having a blast with this book. It's like Dungeons and Dragons got together with Mad Max to embark on a tripped out road trip through the wasteland filled with talking dragon skeletons, fodder bandits, and somewhere all the acker you could ever want to inject into your eager veins. For those who don't know, acker is a liquid that represents the only magic left after the quench, an apocalyptic event that laid waste to all the crystal castles, knights, enchanted blades, and lightning mages and yelves of the world. Uh, Notch's daughter of Grand whatever. I uh, <laughs> have other notes too, but I'm not going to read them. I really loved Coda a lot. And that's my time. Perfectly. Oh, that was perfectly timed. <laughs> uh, so Sarah, I'm you sure were. Sure, you want to jump in on Coda? Yeah, please. go ahead. Ask me questions. But 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 you haven't finished reading it, so I can't. Oh, it's like that. Oh. I was really surprised. I won't give anything away, but there is a there is a reveal. There is a there is a character entrance toward the end of the fourth issue and then it leads into directly into the second volume that I did not expect. I had no idea that that we were going to meet that person. I did not think that that person was even remotely alive. So that was a huge twist for me. Uh, Also, that I love that character. I love the look of that character, the powers of that character, the conflict within that character... It is all very, very cool. But yeah, the coda is absolutely wild. And it's also very poetic and, and, and epic. You feel like you're... Re- like, Hum is telling you the story. Much of the narration is done by way, at least in the first volume, by way of a journal that he's keeping. And he's writing letters to his wife about where he's been and what he's done to get back to her. She's been imprisoned by uh, another faction that's off in the wasteland. And I really love that delivery of the story because it gives it almost like a Tolkien vibe to it. Mm. But you add like the Mad Max elements and the mutant giants and all that crazy crap that you find in high fantasy. And it it's just awesome. So, so, so cool. I can't wait to finish. It is, the, uh... it is completely bonkers as well. Yes. Yes, it is. And and that's that's what I love about it. And also, um, I don't know if you would have picked up on this not being English, but the fact that Akka is like the currency that they're using cracks me up because that's like a slang term for money. Okay. So if you say to someone, have you got any Akka? It means, have you got any cash on you? Have you got any money? So the fact that they use the word Akka for this version of currency little things like that that Spurrier does just little uses of words he I just love him so much I love his writing so much and yeah I need you to finish reading it so I can talk to you about what happens well what we have Um, here is a murder falcon situation (laughs) 
Yes, we do. It's happening all over um, again. I do have the feeling that both of these books were all going to be written by the end of the year. But I'm just thinking. It's going to be a rough year. I'm telling you right now. uh, We say this every year. But uh, towards the beginning of 2019, I was kind of looking at my list and being like, yeah, I guess I could put that on the list. Maybe. And then out of nowhere, especially within the last two months, as as series have either wound up or wound down to their close, particularly in the miniseries department. Oh, miniseries and graphic novel are going to be two uh, monster categories this year for sure. Uh, with, I believe, first, second will be dominating again this year for the graphic novel category. They already have like three books that are worthy of being on that list. So we'll see. We still got six months left, though. This is true. I know, and that's that's what's so wild about it. Like we just, it's good. It's good time to be a comic book reader. That's for damn sure. I have a question for the group. Okay, mm-hmm. question for the group. I will answer first. I would rather careen into the sun than watch Josh Trank's Fantastic Four beginning to end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve. You you would rather careen into the sun than? Oh man, uh, I would no because I know I kind of I was gonna I was gonna use Catwoman as an example, <laughs> but I I love terrible movies. If you There's tell a, me yeah, that, but I'm, there are certain terrible movies that are too terrible. Catwoman might not be too terrible. I mean, Fantastic Four takes it for me. It is one of the most offensively bad movies I've ever seen, and that's not just as. A Fantastic Four fan, but as a fan of film in general, the the crimes that blatantly happen in that movie over and over and over again. People have a, a God, dude's got a five o'clock shadow. Miles Teller, five o'clock shadow in one scene. They pan over to another character. They come back to him, and suddenly he's clean shaven. What are you doing? Yeah. Wigs. Yeah. Ms. Mara are... has fourteen wigs that change yes. d- depending on what camera angle she's at. It would be one thing if it was at the beginning of the movie and then they did reshoots and it was toward the latter end of the movie oh. and there was you know a, a time change or time has passed or whatever, but it's not. They did no. reshoots all throughout the film, so it's all chopped up and it looks like a- garbage. It is. Uh, I will evoke a name and I, I don't mean to disparage his work considering, but this is... Ed Wood level incompetence. Only Ed Wood had thirty-eight cents to make a movie, and this guy had one hundred and fifty million. So, what would you rather do than well? well Caribbean to the Sun is a better option than Catwoman, or no, no? Say that one more time. I would rather Caribbean to the Sun than I watch. I will avoid Caribbean into the Sun right alongside you for the Fantastic Four okay. movie. That is. Uh, what is wow. the word that I'm looking for? The thing that stands out. You're my 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 not my white whale. Your Waterloo. Yeah, my <laughs> no, Waterloo. <laughs> Sarah, how about you? You uh, you'd rather careen into the sun than <sighs> record this podcast at <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. No, ah, it's only ten to one. Um, I don't know. Like I've seen some pretty bad movies in my time. And I've read some pretty terrible books, but you just mentioned it being your Waterloo. I would rather careen into the sun than ever listen to an ABBA record ever, ever again, ever. Never underestimate my hatred of ABBA. Nice. 
that 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 shot everyone oh, up. Bold. So yeah. So when everyone's writing in with their questions for number four hundred, um, if they want to incite any form of rage in me, feel free to mention ABBA. Um, they don't have to be comics-based questions. They can yeah. be related to other things. But, uh, yeah, nothing incites rage in me, quite like the opening notes of Super Trooper. Despite <laughs> all your rage, you're still just a rat in a cage. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I saw them live once. and what? <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins? I saw them at... Yeah. It was uh, Nassau Coliseum or Madison Square Garden. Whatever it was, they were awful they were awful it was for the melancholy and the infinite sadness tour and i was so hyped for that show and so disappointed you never said this around brian verderosa did you oh he knows oh he knows okay that's their his favorite band is the pumpkin hey look uh siamese dream is an all-time classic i love that album beginning to end gish has its tracks uh which is was their ep before that Mm -hmm. came out very cool um even Pisces Iscariot, uh, their their second uh, release was was really awesome, and Melancholy has its tracks on it. But after that, whoa! I don't think that that band produced any more good music. Every now and again, there's like right a real, Steve. there's like a real chaotic, you know, banger every now and again. But overall, I Billy Corgan's voice just pierces my brain and my soul and <laughs> digs down into my core and takes a dump. It's just, it's so bad. So what you're saying is that Smashing Pumpkins are your ABBA. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Def I Leppard enjoy, is my ABBA. I enjoy a, a vast degree of their of their early catalog. Oh, who would be my ABBA? That's a really good question. Yeah, we could ask that who is your hundred. ABBA? Yes, who oh, is your ABBA? I don't know ABBA. if I could answer that right now. <laughs> Oh, I could. I'd really uh, about need to eight think times. About it. I'm writing it down. It's going on the list. Billy Who Joel. Is your no, <laughs> it is for people. It really no, is. Yeah, no, no. Billy Joel. No, no. I, I have I have enough fond memories tied to Billy Joel that he would not be my ABBA man. <laughs> uh, that's, that's become a whole. It's a new pejorative we just coined today. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I'm gonna. We got two now. What is and, it since ABBA is an acronym? What does our version of ABBA stand for? No, we're not. No, 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 no. We're going to move on. Absolutely bad <laughs> band. No. Ask me again for 400 and I'll have an okay. answer for you. I'll have a whole list of answers for you. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to take the easy way out and be like, whoa, Creed. Like, that's what everybody wants to say. But uh, they've never offended me. I don't care. I don't listen to their music. So why do I care? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so guess what? You know what time it is? Oh, the war is coming. It's the finale. Open discussion welcomes War of the Realms number six to the table. All right, that's the music for War of the Realms. Here's the deal. (laughs) I've spoiled War of the Realms every single time that we've talked about it, and I'm going to do it again. So... If you gotta skip ahead, skip ahead by, you know, a couple of minutes, take a gamble, whatever. Uh, if you're reading War of the Realms, great, hang around. If you don't care, you know, hold the power to you. Huh, here we go. You I'm should, gonna By the way, you should people you should probably read Thor fourteen before you read War of the Realms six. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that too, the reading order right. for this thing. Because yeah. man was I confused when I opened up Thor fourteen and was like, What happened? Yeah. So <laughs> 
yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that aspect of it for sure. But listen, I am going to spoil the finale for War of the Realms. A lot of big stuff happens. So if you care about this at all, you have been warned. And I'm going to do what I've done every other time, where I'm going to just do bullet points, because honestly, the conversation is what happens after I give you all that stuff. So here we go. In three, two, one. Jane Foster, or rather Thor, the goddess of thunder, is back, baby! Yeah! <laughs> uh, let's see what else do I got here. I got uh, the Storm of Thors. A little familiar, but yes, please. Captain Marvel standing atop the Queen of Cinders, spattered with blood and holding a flaming sword. Where's a silk screen when you need one? Because I want that on a t-shirt. Yeah. At one point in the issue, Luffy pops the casket of ancient winters into his mouth like it's a wintergreen breath mint. Thor, <laughs> Thor uses the god... This is huge, by the way. Thor actually uses the god Tempest to reforge Mjolnir. Mjolnir is back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's also the part when Loki slices his way out of Lothi and uses the line, What's the matter, father? Was it something you ate? Ah! I died. I died. I thought that was so good. So cheesy. So good. Punisher just leaves. The war is over. And he's, he's bored with peace. Well, and the just, Wolverine wants him to go have a beer in it. Yeah, uh, the war is over. Beer, and Punisher's all like, your war might have ended, Logan. Mine but never does. Never <laughs> Darkness. But it's so good. He's been so obnoxious throughout this series, and I really love it. Whether Jason Aaron's trying to take the piss out of that character or not, I don't know, but that's the vibe I'm getting, and I am here for it. Uh, the Warhammer breaks down and then fuses to Jane's arm. Jane the Valkyrie is born. Thor has a new title by the end of this series, All Father Thor. That's pretty big. And uh, and lo, the War of the Realms was won. Uh, I should also mention the creative team, because I got really excited and forgot to do that. Written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Downerman, colors by Matthew Wilson, and I believe letters by Matt Hollingsworth. Does that sound familiar? Uh, I will let you know in a second. Yeah. yeah. Oh, where are the credits when oh, you need them? I thought we were Lettered get to by it. VCs Joe Sabino. Yeah, that guy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Whoops. <laughs> Matt Hollingsworth is a colorist, isn't he? Yes. It was. It was actually colored by Matt Wilson. Yeah, that's what I said. Matt, yeah, colors by Matthew Wilson, and then VCs Joe Sabino for letters. Yep. All right, there you go. Hey, all right. So yeah, there is your bullet point review for War of the Realms number six. And boy, oh boy, Bob, do you want to talk about Thor 14 before we get into sure. the nitty gritty of this? Well, uh, Thor is 14. Uh, Jason Aaron, Scott Hepburn, and Matthew Wilson. Just a really fine addition to the main story as you got to see the sidebar discussions as the Odin son assembles his army of Thors to rescue Freya and Odin from the clutches of Malekith. We get to see it from alternate angles, so to speak. Some expansion of what's going on different insights offered up. So really just a perfect appetizer for the main course kind of thing. But if you read it in the other order, it would, it sort of, it doesn't diffuse the ending, but I could see how it could be very confusing. Indeed. So read, read Thor 14 first and then come to war of the realms. I mean, what do you, 
you said everything, Steve, but it is epic, powerfully emotional, chaotic, but in the best way possible. All those moments, uh, Captain Marvel standing there with, with her sword. So much for the Fire Queen. Now, where's the King of the Snowflakes? She was out of ducks to give. That yeah, is. Jane, Jane, when when the hammer refor- reforms mm-hmm. and the lettering on the hammer is slightly different again, which is which is a lovely take. And her, her line is, welcome back, Mjolnir, you beautiful mallet, you. Yeah, see, we were, I think, when they announced, first of all, way to prematurely announce that Valkyrie series. Good God. Yeah. Like, I know it, you need to get the word out there for pre-orders, but man, did they biff that because... That would have that would have really landed a lot better if they had waited until War of the Realms was finished because that was mm-hmm. just it was happening and I'm like oh okay here it is rather yeah. than being like oh my like what is what is going on what is what do they do oh I, I didn't have that uh, reaction especially where there's a line early on where Odin's describing the idea that well we can't I don't have enough magic to put you back again if you die right. So if that were in play, okay, she she's Thor again. We've all heard if she changes back, yes, her chemo her has worked. Her cancer is in remission. That doesn't mean anything if this all goes yeah to heck. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Think it's still her, a lovely moment, but yeah, still. Like her, her journey though between cancer patient, cancer survivor, goddess of thunder, uh, the the all all mother well, of. There- New Midgard, I believe mm-hmm. was her title, yeah. and now uh, officially a Valkyrie after all of them have been wiped out, and she's the uh, she's the one that's going to be starting it all over again and like bringing in new recruits, I suppose, or maybe she'll be the only Valkyrie for a little bit. I don't know. Really? I haven't read the new series yet, but wow! Again, my my list of of favorite characters and stuff like that. I think I'm going to have to add Jane Foster to the list because she's way yeah. up my list. Now. Oh, I yeah. know. I know she's always been on yours. Uh, I just, I've never really had a whole lot of, uh, too much exposure to her before all the Aaron stuff came along. And just over the years, the, the journey that she's been taken on with his work has just been awe inspiring. And but, I, I know that we were a little nervous about the Valkyrie thing, especially after, um, the death of, um, there Brunhild? Brunhilde. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I'm I, I'm comfortable with it now. Like it's seeing seeing the way it was executed, watching the uh, the progression of that character, and thinking about all of the things that she's been over the past couple of years. Sure, like toss Valkyrie on the fire. I'm I'm if that means uh, that I I don't go I wouldn't go that far because I, but I will say I believe that when you go back to what Jane Foster was at the start of the Lee Kirby run all those years ago where she was Dr. Don Blake's nurse mm-hmm. and they were, became a thing. And then it was a triangle with Thor and she found out that Don was Thor and he thought enough of her very early on to bring her to Asgard for Thor to, for Odin to endow her with godly powers. Mm-hmm. And Odin basically tortured her out of it set up so she would fail the challenges and then banished her from Thor's life and took her memories away. That Odin. That Odin. Right. So when he works, when she works her way back into the storyline and that Odin said and did the things he did to revive her, spoiler, and what he says here, 
that that lands that lands a heavy punch. That's some good stuff. And so I think Jane will certainly embody everything that Brunhilde was and did and also honor her memory at every moment she can. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm still sad to lose my Valkyrie, but that doesn't mean she won't be back. Because it's comics. It is comics. Did comics you love the, ex- <laughs> the exchange, Sarah, I'm going to toss it to you in a second, but the the exchange between Thor and Jane, I think, is, is a great way to... The hammer doesn't make the Thor, the Thor makes the hammer. And he says, this time, quite literally. And she responds, I knew that you'd remember that eventually. I had a fine teacher, Lady Jane. Woof. Woof. Good stuff. Gets you right in the feels. Yeah. Sarah, how did you feel about War of the Realms? Six? I had no feels. <gasps> did, oh, you didn't you read it? You know how we all have... Yeah, I read it. Oh, okay. Um, It was very pretty. It's like, a, like really pretty. Like, this is a beautiful book. Um, But I have zero history with Thor. I haven't read any of the Jason Aaron stuff. I haven't read any of the Jane Foster Thor stuff. My entire knowledge of Jane Foster comes from the movies. Um, And yeah, for me, it just didn't have that emotion because I don't have the connection to the character. Um, It just felt very eventy to me. I didn't read Thor 14, so obviously that kind of didn't make as much sense to me. Mm. Um, to be honest, out of all of the War of the Realms stuff, my favourite stuff was the Journey into Mystery ones with with oh, the Baby ready? and Hawkeye. Absolutely loved those ones. Yeah. But, I mean, this book is stunning. There is no denying that. It's absolutely beautiful. The artwork is gorgeous. The colour work is gorgeous. But for me, the story overall has just been very generic event. Let's have lots of big fights. Let's pitch some big characters against each other. Let's put somebody into mild peril. It it never really felt like it, it wasn't a book for me. That's what I'm trying to say. It, it, it was a book for people like you guys who are big, big Thor fans who have been there for the Jason Aaron run, who've been there for the Goddess of Thunder. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I still read it, you know, um, and it's beautiful. Yes, I did. (laughs) I did read it. Um, But yeah, Jane Foster Thor is on my list of shame. It's one of those books that I will at some point sit down and read like 10 million issues or however many there are in that run. Um, But not yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that honestly i was i was trying to explain to someone at work like they said to me did i want to go to the pub tonight and i said oh i can't i've got to do podcast prep and they went well i thought you did that all weekend i said yeah but prepping for a podcast you have to read a certain number of books and you have to make notes on them and then i look back at my notes and i read i think i read over a hundred single issue comics in june plus trades holy crap uh. <laughs> yeah i read a lot of books um and so not every book is going to is gonna hit it for me. And at some point, there will become a month where I'm like, okay, now I have the time to sit down and read the entire Thor run, um, presumably sometime after I win the lottery if I start playing it because <laughs> books aren't cheap. Um, in the same way that at some point I'll sit down and read the entire Batman run. But, yeah, it's a beautiful book. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely gorgeous. Lovely bit of eye candy. Didn't really have a clue what was going on half the time in the main book. All of the all of the little side books made a lot mm. more sense to me. It, um, 
Go ahead. But Journey into Mystery, absolutely mm-hmm. corking. So what much fun, a right? tie-in. So much fun. I haven't read um, the Agents of Atlas book. I do keep meaning to get onto that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another tie-in that I read that didn't get me as much. But, um, yeah, absolutely love Journey to Mystery. And Thor was very pretty. But I'm sorry it didn't have the emotional resonance for me because I don't have any ties to the characters. No, well, you know, that's all right. You're dead to me, but no big deal. Okay, okay. We can, as long move, as we can move on. Uh, no. <laughs> if if you read nothing but Thor 700 to 706, I guess it was, that was our... No, 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 no. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. Go big or go home. I'm not just going to read six issues. I'm going to do the entire thing. Um, Just as a point of reference, I can probably hook you up with the vast majority of that (laughs) series if you're feeling feeling up to it. And also, I want to say, you mentioned it before, but if you were to prioritize either Thor or Batman, Thor, just from me, I would say Thor. Me too. Batman has its highlights for sure, but as far as consistently epic and and inspiring and high fantasy shenanigans about, like it it has it has all of it, it has all of it, and it, I think War of the Realms is very much about the journey, and I can totally see where somebody might not enjoy it, and, and like you said, it feels very eventy, it absolutely mm. does. Just there's even just in this last last issue, there are so many monumental payoffs from reading the past five years worth of stuff. This is very much tailored for people that have been there since the God Butcher showed up. That Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, Quick mentions. I caught up with Sabrina, the teenage witch that Sarah had. I I loved it. I don't know what the hell my problem was when I read that first issue. I must have been exhausted because I read them over again. They're a blast. They're an absolute blast. And I just want to give a quick nod. I was going to make it a part of my lightning round, but then I decided not to because I didn't have time to suss out my notes to do the book much justice. Joey and I have mentioned this here and there, but man, oh man, uh, as far as the Age of X-Men stuff goes, the Extremists run, the five-issue Extremists run from Leah Williams, uh, George Genti, and Roberto Poggi, and Jim... Carl Lampetus? There you go, Carl Lampetus. And VC's Clayton Cowles on letters. Just absolutely heart-wrenching stuff. Really, really powerful. Such incredible messaging. Really, really... Leah Williams, I would love to see her continue on. I know that Hickman's doing his X-Men stuff. I really would have liked to have seen her either continue this series or be welcomed on to another X-Book because she gets it. Like, I don't know as much as other people about the X-Men I've, I've dabbled in them here and there, but as far as X-Men being a cipher for social commentary and what's happening in the world and how people are marginalized and how they're treated for being different and all of those things, this series knocked it out of the park where you have a premise where the X-Men's memories have been messed with and you've taken away their ability to love and have relationships. And so now everybody's going to have their, little uh, escapades on the side and it's illegal and they can be arrested for it. They could be put wow. to death for it. It is so, so good. So, so good. Anyway, I said more. About and now it. I, I have to go and read that. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. Yeah. It's in my collection. Go for it. Um, I've, I've bolded it. We'll see if it makes it to the end of the year, 
but just as something that everyone should read, just just as a standalone thing, it's really it really makes you think. It really makes you think, and it really it really does the X Men uh, as a group and as an idea lots and lots of justice. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think that Joey would agree with me if he were here. Mm. Mm. Is, that a, is that a shot? No, never. Okay, never. A shot. I love Joey. He didn't add to my stress this week at all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, by the way, about Mr. Joey Braccino, if you've been following his journal online as he's been traveling across the United States of America, Joey will be back next week on the podcast along for our Spider-Man review. So look forward to that. And look forward to Joey editing the podcast each week when he comes back, because <laughs> I'm not as good at it as he is. Although, I have a new program on my computer upstairs that is supposedly going to help us with the levels, so that I don't sound like a mouse uh, by comparison to everyone else. I'm fully aware that there have been some audio issues in past episodes, and uh, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm trying to do something about it. It's, uh, it's been a tough road. A long road for old Steve. He's getting a little long in the tooth. Been doing this for too long. <laughs> All right. I'm spiraling now. I don't know what to do. I think that we can start talking about the books that we're looking forward to because we don't get, we don't, there's news, but there's no concrete news. No, it's they too may, nebulous. Yeah. They may or may not be doing the Sandman series. Uh, outlets say yes. Neil Gaiman says they got it wrong. So we're waiting for word on that. Uh, Andy Muschietti, who did the uh, It remake and is helming uh, It Chapter 2, has been put on as the director of The Flash for DC. So they're going to be working with that again. That's like the fourth person to be attached to this thing. So fingers <laughs> crossed. Because yeah. It was All my right. favorite movie of that year. And let's see. I don't know, Bob, you sound... Uh... Flash, I don't think we're going to see at the end of the day, somehow. I don't know. Ezra Miller... Still, you know that he wrote, he co-wrote uh, a treatment, a script for a Flash movie with Grant Morrison, and they turned it down. That I did see that, so I think that's one of the reasons you're not going to see a Flash movie. If you can't get the star of the movie and one of comics' most innovative people, and that script doesn't pass muster somehow, yeah, it's. Um, I don't have good feelings about it. It's now got the writer of Bumblebee and the Birds of Prey movie that's coming out um oh, i'm forgetting her name i wrote the damn i've heard really good things about bumblebee uh bumble yeah bumblebee was great i uh i watched that a couple my my 4k blu-ray was all screwed up the audio tracks were uh not synced correctly oh yeah and i never i never remedied it either it's probably too late for me to contact amazon and be like what the hell but uh yeah the flash uh christina christina hodson is uh is the uh scripter for the flash right now they'll, t they'll tell the flash's origin he's in a dark alley there's a gunshot pearls fall in the gutter <laughs> his mother's name is martha yes it is <laughs> i think if if they get if they, uh. if they if they keep mustard daddy on the movie and they do and I know this is probably not going to be a popular idea, but like if they do one of the more like, scarier horror-oriented Flash villains, 
Maybe it could be cool. Not uh, not reverse. Who's the who's the the dark professor, one? Professor Professor Zoom. Yeah. Reverse Flash. You know what? The Flash and his Rogues Gallery, and they got dark as the years went on. Through the '60s, what John Broom and Carmine Infantino did with the Mirror Master and all those sort of Captain Cold and Heat Wave, they were fun and inventive and sciency and all that kind of stuff. And with a, if you're gonna go younger Flash, new to his powers, sort of, why don't we do a fun movie, sort of in the more the vein of Aquaman Shazam, and have the fun rogues. Yes, they can still be menacing, but do I, no. I, I I want lighter. I want lighter Flash. Brand new police scientist, maybe. We'll go visit his dad in prison here and there. But get, give me some Mirror Master. Make a, you know, the, uh, Alakazam turns him into the Turtle Flash or whatever. Now he's the slowest man on earth. Let's have some fun. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't that like literally the TV show? This is why I don't get why we need a Flash movie. Like we have the TV oh, show. I, and I don't Sarah. disagree. We don't need a Flash movie. Make no mistake about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought maybe I like missed a memo there or something. Huh? I thought you maybe know, just it was like pretty we don't important. need a Black Adam movie. We don't need a Flash movie, but they're gonna make it. Maybe. Oh, just say Black Adder or Black, Black Adam. Black, Black Adam. Adam. No, not Black Adder. Black Adam. Oh, no, it's okay. There was a news story yesterday. Supposedly, they were going to make a new Black Adder, but it was all nonsense if you actually read the story. Mm. It's Rowan mm. Atkinson, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Never seen it. <gasps> oh! I have <laughs> seen Spaced. <laughs> I love how good. you just pulled out a completely different British comedy to go, don't be angry with me, British person. I've seen there this other go. thing. Kudos on having watched Spaced. Um, but for anybody who has seen Blackadder, the second season of Blackadder, the Bob episode, is probably 22 minutes of the greatest British comedy mm. ever. So, I've there you also go. never seen Monty Python and the Flying Circus. Wow. I've Faulty seen two of the movies. I've never seen the show. Okay. Faulty Towers? No, but I want to. I really want uh. to. I'm thinking about buying that and 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 binging it with Bronwyn. We're still we're still riding high on the Lucifer train right now. Okay. We can't stop. We're in uh, season three, like episode fourteen, and we're just gobbling them down. It's such a good show. It's such like you just turn it on and you get to forget about everything for a little while and just laugh at how ridiculously charming everybody is and the great character chemistry and uh one of the things that bronwyn pointed out to me that i thought was a really really nice compliment to the show is that there are lots of female characters on the show but there are also lots of female characters that are having conversations outside of just talking about lucifer there are friendships (gasps) they go out for ladies night and you follow them they get into bar fights it's crazy and it's it's really like it it sound, doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, when you hold it up to some other shows that are out there, it does wonders for its female cast. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but women don't talk about anything but men. They do in Lucifer. All the time. That's not, that's not real life. All, the time. all we the ever po- do is talk about men. No. Movies taught me that. To the point <laughs> where it's noticeable. <laughs> like, you take note of it and you go, wow, we haven't talked about Lucifer in like 20 minutes. <laughs> like, this is great. Um, <laughs> Lucifer is also wonderful. Anyway, new comic book day. Yeah, it's happening every Wednesday. 
Uh, uh, Bob, what's your list looking like? Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 46. What? Of course, at the top of the list, yes. A Ms. Marvel annual where she faces off against the Super Squirrel. Gotta see that. Speaking of the Fantastic Four, FF at Prodigal Son, a part of a, some sort of weird little event, but this is written by Peter David, who actually did a Fantastic Four novel back in the day. It was very good, so I'm interested to see his take on that. We've got Cap and the Invaders coming together in a book. We have Maneaters number 10, Giant Days number 52. It's getting closer to the end. I can't stand it. And I am pretty sure I'm going to get Lois Lane number one by Greg Rucka. You know you are. Yeah, I know I am. <laughs> Sarah, what's your list? Uh, I have got The Dreaming number 11, which um, I talked about last week. I've got Black Hammer Age of Doom number 11. I will probably pick up the World of Black Hammer Encyclopedia. It sounds more impressive than it is. It's not actually a giant hardback book. It is just a single issue comic, but it goes into the backstory of some of the characters. I've got Man Eaters number 10. I am incredibly excited that Crowded number 7 is coming out this week. I absolutely adore Crowded. It's no surprise to anyone who's ever heard me talk about comics. I'm a big fan of Christopher Savela's work. Um, really looking forward to that. And also, he's also got a book called Test Number One coming out, which mm. looks very fun. I don't know if you've heard of Test. Is it about cricket? No. Oh, that's... It's about people in a town in Midwest America who subject themselves to medical experiments for cash, but... Maybe there's something a bit shady going on. It's got a little bit of the old dystopian future thing going on there. Um, it's. I think he described it as being the closest he'll ever get to cyberpunk without being cyberpunk. And I'm just like, I'll take it. I will purchase that book. I will have that. Thank you very much. Gif of the little girl throwing money out the window. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically just me. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which... Here is my list. There are a lot of new number ones coming out this week. I have Giant Days number 52, Spencer and Locke 2 number 4, final issue of that fantastic second run from Pepos and Santiago. Doom Patrol, The Weight of the Worlds number 1, Lois Lane number 1, Crowded number 7, The Monstrous Hardcover volume 1 is coming out. I don't yes, know if I can pick is. it up. I'll have to. I'll have to weigh my options. But uh, other than that, I believe Jason Aaron has a new joint coming out called Sea of Stars, number one. There's also Space Bandits, number one. Arrow, number one. And now I'm picking up this Test, number one, apparently. Mm. And uh, of course, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, whatever number Bob said before. <laughs> Was it forty? Forty-six. Also moving toward its rapid conclusion we still got a little while it's going to 50 yeah all right i'm still i'm still in the comfort zone we're not we're not i'm not biting my nails just yet once we get to like i don't know 47 48 i'll start I'm percolating. I'll i've got i've got brown bag it. <laughs> one more paper girls three more giant days four more squirrel girls nope. and a partridge in a pear tree i know it's all coming to an end i'm devastated all of it <laughs> Okay. Does anybody have any closing statements or anything they would like to share with I do. the group? Okay. 
Um, I would just like to say thank you to some of our listeners. Quite a few people have reached out to me in the last week or two weeks um, via social media for various reasons, either to thank me for talking about certain books, to say that we have introduced them to certain books, or just as a general hello kind of message. And it's actually been really nice to chat to some people online Um some people who've been listening to the show and just kind of talk about comics and it's good to know that people think of our podcast as a safe space um that's mm. something that's very important to me and i know i talk about representation a lot and i have had a couple of people who've messaged me saying that they appreciate that and that um you know they, they like the fact that we talk about things like that so really it was just to say thank you to everyone who has got in touch um whether it's about comics or other things completely i you know i've had conversations with people about life problems mental health what's going on in the world today we've talked movies we've talked books all kinds of different things so it was just really to say um thanks for reaching out and if there is anyone out there who wants to get in touch you know we're always here um and if you want us to talk about certain books, feel free to recommend them to us. I'm not saying I'm going to read them, um, but I have had some people, well, limited budgets, but I have had a couple of people reaching out saying, oh, you liked this book. You might like another mm -hmm. book. Um, so it was just, just just sort of say thank you to the community that we have out there. Um, and I know I complain a lot about everything but there are good people in the world and a lot of them seem to listen to the show so thank you for listening and for reaching out there you go to quote carol danvers we've got a good gang indeed wow bob do you have anything to follow up with that that was that was pretty good no i can't i'm not touching that one no one talks oh my god did anymore. i just <laughs> did i just out bob bob yep 100 yes. percent. my work here is done i'm never coming back <laughs> You have a you have a new podcast coming out soon, don't you, Sarah? We are actually recording this weekend. Um, one of the reasons that I've read so many comics recently is that I have gone back to reread all of Jeremy Whitley's Unstoppable Wasp books. He will be coming on with us this Sunday to talk about Unstoppable Wasps. So if anyone has any questions, comments, thoughts, all the usual shenanigans, um, you can get in touch with the ladies of Valhalla, either social media wise, we are at Valhalla ladies, or you can email us ladies of Valhalla at gmail.com. That episode will be released on Friday of next week because we release on the second Friday of the month, which will be the 12th. So we're recording this Sunday, um, which is the seventh. Feel free to get in touch if you have any thoughts or questions. Boom. Speaking Shingless of Mr. <laughs> Speaking of Mr. Whitley, congratulations are in order. The Princeless Kickstarter has been successfully funded. Bum, yes. bum, bum, bum. So I don't know if there I don't think there's gonna be time by the time we release this show for you to get down on that, but uh I've been retweeting it. Jeremy's been shouting it from the rooftops and everything. They've reached their goal, but they could always use more. Money just to secure everything, make sure shipping costs are covered, production, all of that stuff. There's always more money to be put into something, even after Kickstarter is done. I think everybody knows that. But yeah, anyway, uh, if you went ahead and you donated to that, thank you so much. Uh, that book means a lot to us. It means a lot to Jeremy. And it means a lot to a lot of other people as well. So uh, I put down for the, the hardcover collection. We will add that to our library, and I cannot wait to uh, 
sit down and take the whole journey when those eventually arrive. I looked at the cost of shipping the hardcover collections to the UK and then I had a little cry. Yeah, I had to ship mine to the States. Like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get them in my hands, but I, there's no way I was shipping them to, to Canada. It was a lot more money. But anyway, we'll get them either way. I mean, they have my money now, so it's all good. <laughs> I have an idea, Sarah. Mm. When you're speaking to Jeremy, he will more than likely be at the New York Comic Con. Yeah, I already thought of that. I don't think they're going to have the books ready by then. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, also hard, hardback, hardback books, Comic Con, luggage. It's It's a terrible, terrible combination. Okay. Bearing in mind that the one time I went to New York Comic Con um, six years ago, we purchased so many books that we boxed up all of our clothing and posted it back to the UK and the box went missing somewhere in the mail. So I got all my books and stuff home, but I lost all of my clothes, which included my Zatanna cosplay top hat and tailcoat. So, yeah, (laughs) I need to not buy so many books. Somewhere there's a real crafty magician using her stuff <laughs> yeah having backwards. a great time yeah, hopefully yep. hopefully she's having a good time you made a wonderful zatanna thank you all right have we got anything else uh-uh. no. all right we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast as always you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. that is also where you can send your questions for the 400th Talking Comics on Ice Spectacular. I'm going to keep calling it that because I think it's funny. <laughs> we are also on Twitter, at Talking Comics. Tweet us anytime you want with any kind of questions, comments, book recommendations, whatever. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. We're still pumping out those reviews and think pieces. Don't forget to listen to Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, Band is assembled, and of course, the ladies of Valhalla. Bob, where can our listeners find you? The old-fashioned emails, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Sarah. You can find me everywhere media is social. I am at Geek Country Lady. And as for Jessica, who's coming back soon, she is at Jarsica for all the things. And Joey is at Joey Braccino on Twitter, and as he would say, the Insta. I am at dead oh god dude just come back to the show please I am at dead (laughs) underscore anchorus on twitter and instagram so for Bob see you soon Jess for Sarah have a great week everyone I have been Steve Say always will be thank you for listening be excellent to each other loan somebody a comic book and until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued Notes up. Okay. Did you just do your own hold music? Yeah. Yes. I'm impressed. Do 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 do. Cha.
Nice. I always just do Girl from Ipanema. It really annoys people at work. Nice. I actually don't That's know that That's a great one. one, though. What? I don't know that one. That's an Astrid Gilberto? No, it's way too complicated. The Bossa Nova. Come on. No. No.